get right into the video. Okay, I have all the lights out. All right, listen up, boys. Y'all want to be good sheep herders and all, don't you? Two things you need to know. Number one, stay awake. And number two, you ask questions. You know, Benji, Benji, don't have to ask questions now, all right? No, well, I mean, you can ask a question. I mean, you know, if something don't look right or, you know, if you've got a strange feeling in your gut, then, yeah, ask a question. For example, uh, that, that night when all those angels visited, yeah, everyone else was asleep. Not me, I was awake, just like my daddy taught me. Darn right I'm bragging. That's what separates men from the boys, son. So like I said, I was sitting there by the campfire, wide awake, and I just got this flutter in my gut. Like you know something's gonna happen, like something big's gonna happen, but you just don't know what it is, you know? I think that's it. You just don't know what you don't know. But I walk over that rise, and then bingo. I'm looking at the biggest, scariest angel I ever did see. Not that I ever saw one, you know. And you know what the first thing out of that angel's mouth was? Don't be afraid. Too late. <laughs> and then that angel just got this nice look on his face. He said, uh, I've got a message to tell you. And then the big old angel said, baby got born tonight and he's going to save the world and then a mess of them angels came around and they were saying glory to God glory to God in the highest that's what they just kept saying and then they was gone Well, I don't need to tell you that we don't get invitations like that, you know, being crusty old sheep herders and all. But we went to Bethlehem, and I met that mama and that baby boy. I think they were a little shocked to see us, but we told them about the angels and all. I think that tickled a pink. And then we all just kind of stood there making sure everything was okay. Kind of like when a new lamb is born. About the time you figured out everything's going to be fine, you just settle in, and you just kind of take in the whole thing. That's what we were doing. But this was different. Because underneath that big bright star, We was watching the world saving baby. And we got to brag on him a bit. And Benji, this old soul, it's been awake ever since. <laughs> this old soul been awake ever since. That's what the revelation of Jesus does. It wakes you up. 
It doesn't make something true. It wakes you up. In 1865, an Englishman named William Chatterton Dix penned the words to a poem entitled The Manger Throne. A few years later, the first three stanzas of that poem were set to music of an English traditional folk song called Green Sleeves. Anybody know that one? You will in a second. That soon became known as the beloved Christmas carol, What Child Is This? This combination of poetry and music was first published in the United Kingdom in 1871. And as a new song, when it debuted in a prestigious compilation of Christmas music called Christmas Carols Old and New. For close to a century and a half, the question found in the title of this carol has become an annual reminder that something significant happened on that night in Bethlehem as someone significantly wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. This child would change the world forever. But what child is this? This is a good question. Yes, you've heard Christmas messages since you were really little. You've read the story a million times. Well, we're going to do it again because that's what we do. We're constantly reminded. Life is about relationships, and in the context of relationships, we share stories. My parents did not tell me a whole lot of stories about their trek in Germany. I only heard it a few times, just a few times. And I remember some of it. Some of your families, you share the history regularly. Some have actually recorded it. Stories matter. Being reminded matters because we can forget even some small details that can't be forgotten. Example, um, I, uh, I was watching uh, from two years ago when the mission trip came back from Mexico. Uh, we, we did a service, and we kind of walked through the pictures, and all the people talked. Linda and I shared with what was going on, and we kind of did a history of the whole trip. I forgot a bunch of stuff. And as I'm watching the video, I'm like, man, that was good. That was fun. Megan made fun of you too. That was great. You know, she, she had her stories there. Like I suddenly remembered and I was, it, the, the emotions were captured in what happened because I was reminded of the story. So this morning, let's be reminded of the story. And I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation because you're not used to it. So, it makes you listen. That night, in a field, near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. Let's pause. This field, it is, and I think Gail Sider brought this up to me a couple years ago, and I've never forgotten. And sure enough, as I go through a whole bunch of commentaries and start to do some history, uh, it is very, very, very likely that the field that these shepherds were in were in the fields of David. The very fields David was in when he was called from the shepherding job to be anointed king. Same field. Really, really, really good chance not absolutely true we just don't know but there's a huge likelihood and there's a common understanding throughout history through a lot of commentators and teachers that that is very likely which is kind of cool all right so now they're freaked out scared here we go but the angel reassured them saying don't be afraid for i have come to bring you good news <clears throat> the most joyous news the world has ever heard and it is for everyone everywhere 
Interesting. For today, in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You'll find the baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Jesus was laid into the simplest of things, just a trough. That's, that was his life. He led a simple life. And it started with this. By the way, this idea of he is Lord Yahweh, Messiah, this is the first declaration that he is the Son of God, that he is deity, not just a baby, but it's the first declaration. I never caught that before. It's like, whoa. Because usually we read through uh, the stories, you know, and the, the leaders are, are um, questioning him, and he says who he is. But this is pretty cool that the angels are declaring this and saying, hey, look, this is who it really is. Then all at once, not just one, but a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and they all praised God, singing, Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go! Let's hurry and find this word, which means rima from the Greek, which literally means manifestation. Let's find this manifestation that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran to the village, found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what they were told. By what they were told. <laughs> you see, shepherds are stuck out in the field most often, caring for sheep. Hmm. That's their job. It's a lonely job, for sure. But I think we may have given shepherds a bad rap. If we take a look at the history of shepherds in the scriptures, a couple things will come up. Could I have the next slide, pretty please? Awesome. I can't get there, so you'll have to do it for me. Yes, good. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the heart of a servant leader. See, I always thought shepherds were, you know, the lonely guys who got the short straw, you know, unimportant, because that's how we've taught it, that they're, they're just menial job, the least liked thing, and I've, I've talked about that, like that, for a long time, until this year, when I realized, oh my goodness, the role of shepherd, it's Christ's role. He describes himself as a shepherd, not the least wanted job, but the most important job. It's powerful. So, let's take a look. At the kind of what, what is a kind of uh, what is a shepherd? First of all, they're kind. They're no. They're in, historically they've been known to be kind. They've been known to be protecting. Obviously, from some of the Psalm, the Psalm twenty three, which we'll look at later. They're guiding, directing, leading. They were known as wise and stable. They were cl called quiet leaders. I never knew that. I thought I thought they were just you know outcasts, not that important. It's not true. They were leadership. They were rulers. 
They're the ones that people went to for wisdom. Maybe because they're out there alone so much, they have so much time to think and digest and meditate and do whatever it is they do. The shepherd's crook has been viewed throughout the ages as a symbol of power, authority, and strength. We're going to take a look at the, the rod and the staff in a moment. Other shepherds, right from the beginning in Genesis, Abel, Cain and Abel. Abel was a shepherd. That was a key role for him. Abraham had lots of sheep. In fact, um, uh, Abraham was wealthy with cattle and sheep. The status of how many sheep you had showed your wealth. Job was one of those guys as well. David, obviously, was a shepherd. He got it. It's not a bad role, after all, although it doesn't mean it won't be lonely. It just means you're taking care of needy animals (laughs) that need a lot of attention. I always uh, jokingly say, you know, sheep are one of the dumbest animals on any farm because <laughs> they're afraid of everything. They run, they're terrified, you go boo, and they, they go nuts. And yet, we're called sheep. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> John 10, 14 to 16 in the Passion Translation says, I alone am the good shepherd, and I know those whose hearts are mine, for they recognize me and know me. Just as my father knows my heart, and I know my father's heart, I am ready to give my life for the sheep. A shepherd. Somebody who understands his father's heart. Jesus was coming to reveal the father. This was huge. Now, he's an adult when he says this. He's not a baby. But you put it all together. And the very first people the angels went to. Shepherds. Not outcasts, shepherds. Ones who would be trusted for their story. And I have other sheep that I will gather, which are not of this Jewish flock. And I, their shepherd, must lead them too. And they will follow me and listen to my voice. And I will join them into one flock with one shepherd. We'll leave that one there. You guys can study that one. Because that has a lot of deep meaning. But we're going to focus on Advent and Christmas today. Next slide. <clears throat> Are we good? So who cares? Yeah, who cares? it's too late now. So, yeah, who cares? All right, next slide. Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, Oh, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes, and was handsome. Hmm, okay. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Same field, probably, where he was called from. He was anointed king. This is a powerful story. You see, something that would not be kosher 
is uh, usually there's one-upmanship among brothers and sisters and, you know, who's more in charge. And, you know, when I sit down with families for funerals, I always say, somebody always says, I'm so-and-so, I'm the oldest. They make sure they, you know who the oldest is and apparently the leader or the biggest mouth. Who knows? It's, all, it's true, right? So they make the point of that. Here, David is anointed in front of his brothers. The ones who would confirm, that if, if they didn't see it, they would question it for sure. Because they would say, wait a minute, wh- wh- why can't we be king? Right? You can see relational problems here. The story of Joseph, same problems. You know, lots of stuff going on. But here, Samuel does it in front of his brothers, who then can see and affirm. I find it also interesting that later, when the story of uh, David and Goliath comes up, what's David doing? He doesn't cease being a shepherd. He stays a shepherd. He goes and brings food to his brothers and stuff, but they know what happened at their house. They know what Samuel did. All right? So when, they come, when he comes to the, to the front where the battle is with uh, David and Goliath, or with Goliath um, they kind of knew there was an anointing on this guy. And so when he said, hey, I'll fight him, they didn't question it. Right? Like we wonder why, why some people question it. Saul questioned it. Here, I'll give you armor. But the brothers didn't because they had the inside scoop. There's something about David, something powerful. All right. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. Here it is, yeah. And the names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shemaniah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Never forgot the key role. He was being groomed for leadership as a shepherd. I would never have thought that, but he was. Psalm 23, probably the most famous scripture of all time. Uh, At our morning coffee group, uh, we talked about this. But this psalm is so rich with the picture of who the shepherd is. See, David wrote this knowing, because he was a shepherd, he understood the role of a shepherd, and then he saw himself as a sheep and refers to his heavenly father as the great shepherd, the good shepherd. He writes, the Lord is my shepherd. As I shepherd, I am shepherded by the Lord. He is my shepherd. And as he leads me, I will lead these sheep. It's a powerful image. I have everything I need. He's declaring, you, God, are the one who gives me all things. I I have everything I need. I don't crave after the worldly things. I'm not going crazy as my focus to continually, you know, become this and get this and get more and more and more and more and more. I've got everything I need. I'm good. Thank you, shepherd. Thank you, the one who takes good care of me and meets all my needs without me even knowing. Wow. He lets me rest in green meadows. Did you know sheep are super picky? They only eat the good grass. The goats, they'll eat it all, the weeds, the grass, they don't care. They they just gobble it up. But sheep, I I want to... A Dijon grass, and I want a Perrier water. Okay, yeah, I want the good stuff. And the shepherd knows this. 
And what he does, he provides the good stuff. And he also knows that sheep, when they're fully fed, then they can rest. They'll be, they'll, they'll be restless and can't rest. So he, on grass, they love to lay down in the grass. That's, that's how they best become healthy. Resting and eating good stuff. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Why is that so important? Because sheep are so blinking scared. They startle easily. They will not drink water from a rushing river. They're, they're too scared. Probably maybe top-heavy worried, you know, if they get in. Oh, who knows? But either way, they're scared. And the shepherd knows this about his sheep. And so a good shepherd has been known to carve out a small dam, a small little stream, a pool of water, so the sheep will drink from, away from the rushing fears, whatever that is, brings them peaceful waters. Just so they are cared for. Tanya, you're, you're figuring this whole thing out now being a parent. You know, you got this baby, this thing cries. You have no sleep anymore. That's just how it is. Ha! All the other moms are going, yep, we get it. You know, all the other dads are going, oh, yeah. You know, this is, this is the nature of a child. Well, same thing here. Nature of a sheep. Same. High needs. Much patience. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. You and I have been guided. Whether you like it or not. Even for David, he, he was guided by a messenger coming to him saying, hey, get home. Some guy with a beard and is there with a staff and a horn full of oil. Go, get, get back. So he did what he was told. And he was led to Samuel. And from then on, his whole life continued to be guided and directed. Did he always listen to the guidance? No. Did he mess up? Did he sin? Yes. Were there consequences for sin? Yes. And he paid dearly. Just because God forgives us does not mean there aren't consequences for some of our really bad decisions. I saw a funny sign the other day. It uh, said, uh, uh, all things happen for a reason, but maybe yours happened because you're stupid and made poor choices. You know, like, who knows? It's just, it's just funny. Like, Really, really? And yet the great shepherd guides us. He has people in our lives speaking wisdom to us. Whether it's through a friend, through a, a Bible study, through music, through reading. Who knows? He guides us. He's got your best interests at heart. Even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me this is not a dead end it's a valley walk through the valley and i think this valley was called the valley of death that that was the name of it and yet he says the shepherd is beside me i have never been abandoned you and i may feel like we're abandoned at times but it's an impossibility your heavenly father will never abandon you he will never leave you he is the good shepherd not the absent-minded one not the one who's just doing the job he cares this is his passion you're close beside me your rod and your staff protect and comfort me 
The rod was the, the crook with a bent, the bent, uh, sorry, you know what the, the um, staff was. The staff was the bent hook thingy that helped lead and guide sheep. And the rod was to ward off the enemies, to ward off the lions and the bears and all that stuff. Growing up, I was taught, spare the rod, spoil the child. Well, then you put together with this, how is that comfort? The shepherd never used it to hit the sheep. <laughs> wow. Some parents need to learn that one. At least, at least the generation I grew up in. Oh, my goodness. There is comfort in those two resources. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Even if they're always on a place where they can't get back to their fold where they're at because the green grass is farther away, the shepherd will still feed them. And out in the, on the side, that's where the wolves are and the lions and all that stuff. You can, if you have a nice fire going, you can probably see their eyes. You know, How many have ever seen raccoon eyes around your campsite? You flash like, oh, there they are. Because just, you know, dick, 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 see a whole family of them and all that. It's pretty fun. In the same way, right in the middle of danger, he feeds provides even for yourself when there's danger all around you when there's a rushing river all around you when crisis is coming or has hit in the middle of it he's got you he's still going to feed you still going to care for you he will not abandon you he's the good shepherd this is powerful you welcome me as a guest anointing my head with oil well, you pour oil on your guest's head when they come in the house? Is that, is that how you guys greet here in North America? No, that's weird. But this is a picture that a shepherd gets. When they're back in the fold and he starts counting them or making sure everybody's fine and they're all coming in, blah, 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 he can see the cuts and scrapes and bruises on some of the sheep because they were all nosy and they got their heads stuck in thorn bushes and it's all scraped. He anoints their head with healing oil. The oil is an act of healing and tenderness, of care. When your kid comes running up to you because they fell off their bike and they scraped their knee or elbow or face, you know, you anoint them with a Band-Aid or the creams, anything that, that, that they need at that time because it's an act of love, care in the middle of pain. <laughs> My cup overflows with blessings. When you're by yourself, there's value in taking stock of God's blessings. To take a kind of an inventory of, wow, God, you have been good. Look at what I've got. Even the, the stuff I've walked through, the difficulties of life. What, what's with that? You, you, you still have blessed me through it, and I count these blessings. And you remember, do not forget. It's too easy to forget. Surely, your goodness and unfailing love, goodness and unfailing love, What's, what do the other translations say? Typical one, the King James. Your mercy and kindness, yes. Yeah, this translation nails it. It actually gets it right. It says, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. I love that word, pursue. Why do I like it? Because if it's just following, well, I usually did something bad if my parents had to follow me to school. You know, it's like, oh, no. Make sure he gets there. You know, my brothers had to follow me to make sure I didn't get distracted. But this is pursuit. 
He's going after you. He loves you. He's the initiator of all truth and all love. He's not asking you to find God or find Jesus. Jesus isn't lost. People who don't believe are lost. They don't see it. But we're pursued. This is an intentional God. He'll pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's a lot of hope. A lot of encouragement. Matthew 18 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father in heaven. Hmm. Well, there's some hope. Little kids, they got an angel. That, this is all we have to go on. <laughs> but it's enough for me to speak hope into people who are worried about their kids, who've lost a little one. There's much love. He is the pursuit. He is walking grace. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that would never went astray. So it, is not the will of, so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Huh. Pair that with, there are many sheep that are not part of this fold, but they're my sheep anyway. They have an owner. The lost coin never lost its value, and it always had an owner. That's the point. You have an owner. You have someone pursuing you, loving you, watching out for you. So what child is this? He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with the young. This is foretelling of what was coming with this great shepherd. John 21, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, do you know that I love you? And he said of him, feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said this to him the third time, do you love me? And, and he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Wow. It's funny, Jesus didn't say, go and make converts. In fact, the scriptures never say that, ever. It does not say, go make converts. Get people to say the prayer. Feed the sheep. Tend the sheep. Huh. We got some things to unlearn and some other things to learn. So what child is this then? He is the one who came to lay down his life. He is the one who came to provide for and protect his flock. He is the one blessed beyond measure with the ones with ones he would call his own and who would come to know his voice. He is the one who is the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. This is the first advent. 
the reminder that the good shepherd loves you. God loves you. And he likes you. He really does. Isn't that cool? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, some may think you're nowhere nearby. Some may feel abandoned or very alone. They can't hear you or perceive you. I pray today you find a way into their darkness. Oh, right, you're there already. But would you, in that darkness, bring peace to those who are screaming out for help? To those who are not in distress and are just walking life, continue to guide them, direct them, remind them of your goodness, and may they remember your blessings and give thanks. You are the good shepherd. May we never forget that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.